Hello and welcome to yet another episode of An Unqualified Guide to the Good Life, the show where we try to work out how to live well despite having no qualifications to do so. My name is Adam and with me, as always, is uh, Nicholas Schmale, Bard of Geneva, um, wearing his hat, doing his thing, uh, chilling. How you doing, Nick? I'm pretty good, Adam. Thank you for that um, enthusiastic introduction. You know, um, Some people might say that I did it better uh, last week, but you know... Yeah, idiots. But, but <laughs> Adam, we don't have enough fans that you can ostracize some. Um, <laughs> what, the ones who think you did it better? <laughs> yeah. mm. um, I'm, I'm confident we're not going to take the, that hit, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's foolish. Well, yeah, that's well, foolish. I mean, you know, dude, you know, my parents might stop listening, you know. I'll be then- ousted from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a revolt. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm okay. Um, we're back on that Monday morning energy. There's no consistency yes. really to our recording schedule, but I like these alternating no. moods that we find ourselves in. How are you on this mm. Monday morning? You're wearing okay, a flowery shirt. Yeah. I'm wearing a flowery shirt. It's and even this is t- is too wintery for Winter. how it feels yeah. right now take it's it a very t- hot day here in Oxford. T- take it take a shot like, take it off this is largely an audio only medium although i will upload the video eventually so so maybe not but um but i'm all right otherwise um just you know uh, uh t- ticking away the minutes until um we inevitably <laughs> die yeah yeah <laughs> and this is how i'm spending some of them nick yeah. can you believe that yeah are you, that's... Are you Honoured? That's crazy. I would I, be. I am kind of honoured. I was having this conversation <laughs> with Zach the other day, and um, uh, I, I can't remember what the context was. Oh, I think it was because... Who of you'll these... remember from our Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, he, which he's eager to come back on, by the way, and he wants to oh, join great. for some other episodes. But um, yeah, we, we were talking about the floods, you know, and I was like, man, I was really feeling like climate change recently is really giving us these like potent reminders that our, our grip mm. on this planet is tenuous. And like, I it was so funny for some reason, but he, the way he said it, he was just like, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, one day the sun will explode. <laughs> True. <laughs> so let's not, you know, let's not stress too much. <laughs> We're going out either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that's uh, the, that's the right dose of optimistic nihilism that we need on this uh, Monday morning. Guess oh, I week. don't know. I'm, um, I, I don't, I don't think that's a good, um, to me. That's not a, a, a comfort in the face of um, uh, the impending climate catastrophe, which we're in the middle of. But never mind, that is the wrong energy for a Monday morning, um, especially given that it has nothing to do with the subject of today's podcast, um, which, Nicholas, is, is the role of technology broadly in our fitness regimes. Mm. I've got a quote for you, Nick. Start out with, got a quote for you. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. It's from Clive James, Clive who James. I think is a journalist. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is only when they go wrong that machines remind you how powerful they are. Hmm. Now, I don't think he was talking about Fitbits, but believe it or not, it was hard to find a quote about Fitbits specifically. So, um, so well, I, I thought that I suppose was there is truth to that. I mean, the ideal role of machine is seamless integration um, and mm. ease of use, isn't it, In when it comes to... Um, the interaction of technology with the general public um, for something other than just a speci- specialized end, you know, um, like most mm-hmm. of the time you don't take into account um, technologies that we employ um, until until they do go wrong. I think it's not even like that a reminder of their power, but just 
like a a a reminder of of their of their value like their 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 role you know in what we do we take them for granted until they stop working and then we're like well well shit <laughs> kind of yeah kind of reminded me how how badly i rely on this you know um i also just quickly wanted to I'd possibly preempt you but um just specify that um well as defined by britannica the encyclopedia um technology is just the application of scientific knowledge to the practical aims of human life um or mm. as it is sometimes phrased to the change and manipulation of the human environment which encompasses a slightly more specialized sort of scientific um sciences and industry context you know but otherwise simply the application of scientific knowledge to the practical aims of human life which is a really really broad idea um it is and it's even broader when you consider the etymology of of uh technology which is from the greek techne logos which means yeah. um the, the study of techniques right yeah um yeah so it, in a sense any anything that requires a technique that is not innate is is technological mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so uh-huh. so uh naturally then that that quote if we break it down um by clive james i believe it was is is um is is a potent quote but it's also um a, a fluid and conveniently expandable quote as well yeah you know yeah. um it, it is um now but in, in the context of this episode specifically, we're talking about fitness trackers, really. Um, your, your Fitbits, your Garmin's, your Apple Watches. Um, those are the only ones I can think of. Um, but uh, whoop, as we mentioned at the, uh, before, before we started recording. Um, Nick, um, do you use a fitness tracker? And if so, how could you envision it going wrong? Um, well, I think I, I don't actually use a fitness tracker. Um, I do have, well, in some senses, I suppose a fitness tracker is something which keeps, um, track of your fitness, um, notably your, your mm. health measurements, like your, like your heart rate, perhaps, um, and then your strain, um, the activities that you're undergoing, maybe they count your steps, um, maybe with, through the, that, that technology, you can track the things that you're eating and log your calorie, um, intake and it can estimate your calorie deficit and um and and maybe even in in some smarter cases it can it can alert you to more severe health conditions um but anyway i don't i don't i don't have one of those things i briefly had an apple watch but i felt uncomfortable with it It was like a first edition apple watch when it first came out my mom bought it for me and i was like i don't i don't need or want this um where did the discomfort come from um I think just a it was the I think it's the it was the brand you know it's like mm. the Apple brand um, which which again is 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 a perfect example of something that you you don't realize how powerful it is um, right you know yeah because you've got the phone the laptop and the watch your cards might be on there yeah. it might be on your on your fitness tracker um, yeah exactly so I I thought well I don't I don't want that um, but the Apple Watch can can double up as a as a fitness tracker right. Um, so so i've i've i rejected that early on and um i have since kind of made an effort to bring myself closer to that partly because i'm i'm taking a a, i could say a more rigorous and disciplined approach to training 
and tracking of health mm-hmm. habits in general. Um, and so I appreciate that a fitness tracker is useful. I think what bothers me most about it is, um, well, I think the danger is really twofold. The first is the 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 amount of data that that thing collects and what actually becomes of that data um, is mm. is obviously always a, a tricky question, particularly in the world we live in now. Um, data is, is, is an extremely valuable resource um, and a controversial one in that um, maybe it happens via tacit consent or uh, often we're exploited um, by these big tech companies. And I think fitness tracking yeah. is no different in that sense. Yeah, I am. Um, in fact, um, that uh, uh, that was one of the things that came up um, during my research for this episode, um, which is, you know, what happens to this data. And it reminds me of uh, when I was when I was in Switzerland um, once uh, a couple of years ago. Now, uh, I, I got a targeted ad on Facebook for um, an insurance company because all health insurance in Switzerland is, is private. Um, you have to choose your, your provider. Um, and it, the offer was I could get up to 1,000 francs per year off my uh, insurance if I got, if the, I would allow them to send me an Apple Watch and I sent them the data from it. Um, so it's like it was health insurance for, for sporty people. So if you maintained a healthy lifestyle, your health insurance would be cheaper, mm-hmm. which in some sense is um, maybe not a bad thing. But in other senses, is is concerning how much uh, information can be transmitted over there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and who's to say where that then goes uh, from there? Uh, also, I think it's interesting because maybe there is a, a sort of uh, an association of of um, I mean, maybe there is something discriminatory about that. You know, um, mm. maybe people who who can't really afford the disposable income or don't really have access to the disposable income to spend on a fitness tracker um or again maybe health is also a socio-economic issue you know um mm-hmm. to, to a degree so people who don't have the time or the luxury to invest that much into their health but also maybe don't have as many resources are the people who spend the most on on you know insurance um yeah. health insurance whereas maybe they're the ones who need it the most um so again also the the kind of the politicization of that issue is is a controversial one data aside um yeah i think it's also always potentially dangerous to reduce the scope of your activities to um perfectly quantified data as opposed Mm -hmm. to just for instance sentiment you know um like if you're if you're really kind of making an effort to better understand your body um you know just listening to your body is already a pretty potent insight obviously the health track gives you things that you could not estimate by your own terms really um or at least not to the same degree of accuracy but um you know doing doing things for the for the health tracker like people do things for the gram um yeah to, you know I think that that's the the biggest uh, instance I've seen of that is steps. People people will will go out um, late at night in order to to get their steps in for the day, mm-hmm. um, and they do um, and they do send you reminders, especially more high tech ones, Fitbit. Um, so I have a, um, a Fitbit uh, that I can't even remember the 
Fiverr, I think. Viva? No. Anyway, it's got a screen and it can do some... It's not as fancy as an Apple Watch, but it can do some smart watchy things. Okay. Um, and it sends me... Um, if I've been... Haven't, if I don't do 250 steps in an hour um, by 50 minute, by 10 minutes before the next hour, it sends me a reminder to get up and move and lets me know how many steps I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which in some ways maybe is maybe is uh, maybe is a good thing, but um, but it is it is rather anxiety inducing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like get up, get up, or you'll die. Yeah. Um, the uh, although the um, the I think the CEO of, of Fitbit did say of this um, that after six months, the number of reminders that it sends is 40% fewer. Um, so so apparently it, it, it incentivizes people, well, this data would suggest that it incentivizes people to move more even without the reminders. Um, it's not been my experience of it. As I say, I find it rather demoralizing, but, um, but, uh, but, but some people, it works. And that would have probably been a really cool thing for me to respond to but unfortunately, at that point, my audio died and I haven't been able to salvage it. And by the time I noticed, we'd gotten considerably further in the conversation. So we spoke a little bit about sleep and a couple of other um, aspects that the Fitbit is able to track in your life. And then we kind of wound up on this conversation about what to do with all the data that this Fitbit provides for you. And the fact that that's maybe a little bit overwhelming um, and kind of lacks a certain direction kind of like this this conversation that I'm having by myself. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna put like a little interlude music thing since I'm editing and then we'll just jump right back in. Seamless transition, an unqualified guide to the good life. Boom. And, and this is kind of my uh, my, my problem with, with fitness trackers in general, which um, is, is not that, uh, is not whether or not they, um, they they actually work, which we haven't even touched on yet. Um, or what happens to the data? It's it's what do I do with all this data that I have? You know, mm. I I it, my Fitbit collect, collects a vast amount of data about my my resting heart rate and and how high my heart rate rises during a workout, um, calories burned, all that. I don't know what to do with all of this information. Mm. It's quite good for running because you can see how far you've run, and it's a good way of. Um, sort of arbitrarily setting that you might you might think you were running 10k and you were only running 3k and that's maybe shows you should make an adjustment um yeah but beyond it's that a strange I, perception I, well 10 and 3 is a pretty dramatic difference well maybe you don't uh maybe maybe you maybe you were not raised on the metric system <laughs> and want to um yeah fair enough want to get into it um but uh but well also i think it's i think it's it's um easy to i mean maybe that's a little extreme but i think it's easy to take for granted how easy it is to estimate when you're sort of into fitness like i think for a lot of people maybe don't run so much estimating how far they've run after 30 minutes when they're sort of dying in sweat can be can be a real challenge um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh no but, that's true um, that's true yeah i don't know you you um you do you see uh you you know you're coming from personal training nick um do you see people use trackers like you've used them yourself i think you've chest wraps um what do you do yeah, you see I mean, any they... utility in these 
they're good indicators um, for, so for instance, using a cardiometer or a, a, a chest strap, um, as, as you called it, is, is um, specifically used in the context of um, creating a, a, basically your, your, your cardio blueprint, right? So um, mm -hmm. it's something which in French is called le test des trois paliers. Mm -hmm. but um which kind of um like transliterates in english into the, the test of uh of the three plateaus and what you do is you get on a, like an exercise bike and like based on your on your weight uh age gender and sporting aptitudes are given an estimate of three different numbers on a bike um of three different intensity numbers um and you have to keep your heart rate within 60 to 70% um of your of of its kind of like um upper upper threshold and you just um you just like cycle for 3 minutes at the first intensity then move to the second then to the third and you watch basically what your heart rate does in relation to these things mm -hmm. um and that'll give you a good indication of like what your what your like vo2 levels are from there you can calculate your vo2 levels or your um and what is um, vo2 uh your vo2 level is uh um your the basically the maximum amount of oxygen that your body can consume when it's working at peak form so if you've heard the term mm -hmm. like anaerobic and aerobic training aerobic yeah. training is everything that you do up until you hit your vo2 max level and when you go beyond your VO2 max level, your your body is working beyond, pe like, peak capacity, basically. It's working in an unsustainable context because it's not making enough oxygen to hold you up for the level of, of intensity that you're working at. Which is not to say that you can't work at that level. It's just generally very short-lived, right? So a sprint is an anaerobic form of exercise because you get quite quickly exhausted. Muay Thai generally involves a lot of anaerobic exercising because you go above the level of intensity that your body can sustain by injecting energy into mm -hmm. your cells with the process of respiration, right? Um, and, and with that in mind, knowing that there is aerobic and anaerobic training and that there is a threshold, you can then calculate, for instance, from your VO2, which is that oxygen level, what your VMO and your PMO are, and VMO in French is the vitesse, the maximum speed at which you hit this number when you're running, mm -hmm. for instance. So you can calculate that like, oh, when I run at 14 kilometers per hour, that's my VO2 max. That's when I'm kind of like working at maximum levels. And if I go beyond that, then then I'm working in an anaerobic zone. And if I stay below it, then I'm working in a zone that my body can actually sustain. Um, and then similarly, with PMO, which is the power at which you hit that speed, whether you're rowing, whether you're basically one using an elliptical machine. So if you're rowing, you're, you're uh, cycling um, in the gym and you have a power indicator of power dispensed, well, that's what also that tells you. And then so for the sake of cardio training, cardiovascular training, having those statistics is great because you can then say, well, this is my 100%. I'm able to work at 150%. High-level athletes can work to up to like 180% of their VMO and sustain that for a crazy amount of time in the context of what that is, right? 
Um, and 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 then but then for instance you have different zones of cardiovascular training and intensity that like a beginner would only uh stay within zones one and two but i can then tell you if i've calculated your vmo um your vo2 and from there your vmo and your pmo i can tell you that if you stay at this speed according to these statistics so long as they've been accurately collected you're in your zone one or you're in your zone two and with that in mind, therefore, I can build a training program. Or alternatively, if you're more into exercise, I can take that statistic from you and I can then tell you um, what 120% of your intensity is. And then rather than giving you a long extended cardio training where you can run at 50% of that intensity, I'll give you 30 seconds intervals where you run at 120% and then, and then recover for 30 seconds. And then run at 120 percent so basically it just structures the whole process of cardiovascular training in a way that just going out for a run never could you know so um if even if you're um a bit let's say amateur with your objectives and your practice of training even having those statistics can actually take you a long way towards towards building a more coherent program Right. Usually you do that, as I say, like with a personal trainer and, and with guidance and and they kind of worry about doing all of that stuff for you because there is like an element of technicality to these calculations and to the process of collecting the data. But having that actually makes it really easy because now you you know, OK, well, working in zone five or zone one or beyond my 100 percent will allow me to cut weight and do this and that. And all I have to do is do a certain amount of intervals, have a certain amount of rest time and do a certain amount of sets of that, you know, or I need to do one long extended. And I know that doing that regularly three times a week is going to exhaust me, especially if I'm doing muscular training or, you know, um, I need I need, to, I need to vary that up. So for the sake of structuring your wor workouts, and then you can also do that for muscle resistance training and, 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 and muscle building. So um, there are very valuable data points um, that you can use. Um, and then tracking their impact is, I suppose, useful, but more from, I think, a preemptive state, just to make sure that things are aligning, that generally you're healthy. I think a, a, a Fitbit, for instance, is more interesting um, or more potent and urgent with its information when something is not going as it should be. Right. You know, interesting. rather than, than when things are, probably. Um, if, you're, if you're just, so, a, you know, an amateur, basically, who's not trying to optimize this themselves perfectly. So it is only when things go wrong that machines remind you how powerful they are. Yeah, exactly. That's that would be a good but indicator. But not with the machines, that. with the people. Mm. Mm, exactly. Mm. When yeah, when 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 or maybe the machine itself is going wrong in that case. But either way, someone needs to yeah. get checked out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, um, yeah. That's interesting. But I feel like it's a lot of knowledge you need to have in order for this to sort of uh, have its use. Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 why personal trainers receive an education and have like a role right. in society because yeah, yeah, you know, even though like training and doing sport and just being in movement is like one of the oldest. I mean, it's like a basic necessity or and function for life. Um, it's still not something that we've mastered, and still something that we squabble over, like when to stretch. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. For some reason, we still haven't figured that out. There's no consensus on that, and uh, and so yeah, so that's that's like you know, hiring someone. Sorry, this is not a PR campaign to hire me as your personal trainer, but if you wanted to, but I he can is do available. <laughs> if you wanted to, I can do these things for you. But um, 
but I think yeah, like that 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 takes it away from other people. Again, like getting to a level though where the machine is smart enough, like on some of these like um, cycling machines, like in some in some of the more uh, like advanced in on the latest models, these tests are actually given for you. Like they actually have them set up. So you just input your data into the machine, into the, the screen on the cycling machine, and then it'll make this plateau test for you, and then it'll give you the conclusions, right? You then obviously still need to know what to do with that data and how to build a program from there. But like a personal trainer can just use the machine to their advantage because they will put their client there, they'll tell the client to input the data, and then the machine will give you the data. There's no need to do any calculations. And then from there, you use that to, to calculate the right programs, right? Interesting. Um, but yeah, that's a more that's a more rigorous scientific approach to to training, which generally you would benefit from having outside help with because you need a certain education to have access to this kind of information. Um, and then obviously for professional athletes, the more sophisticated watchers will basically give you a better indication of I think exertion and strain on the one hand versus recovery and sleep on the other. Um, and and when you're when you're training a lot um and and generally have other s high intensity stress factors in your life knowing how successfully your body is recovering from these issues is quite pivotal to maintaining that degree of intensity sustainably over long term periods of time you know so i think looking for more professional athletes optimizing their data but also making sure that they're in a space where they can continue to work as they are without burning mm. out um, or um, making themselves more prone to injury, for instance, is quite important, you know. Um, so I think that's where specialized individuals benefit um, more, more, more so from these things. That's, um, that's, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and um, is, is a, is a, uh, a, a good, um, I suppose um endorsement of the of the potential utility of of fitbits mm -hmm. um but i wonder uh, is there something self uh, destructive in them can they can they uh, push us in the wrong direction um and um part of, part of so, so i was looking into this this question uh, in prep for the podcast um and i came across a, an interesting article in, in the wall street journal that um that talked about this specifically with reference to children because Fitbit has released a, um, a, 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 a wearable for children. Um, <laughs> and actually, just a, before we get into it, a brief note on effectiveness, um, I, I read an article in Wired which pointed out that although studies have not shown fitness trackers like Fitbits to be effective, all the studies that have been done on fitness trackers um, essentially just use uh, glorified pedometers and they don't they haven't re the studies have not caught up to the more advanced fitness trackers that we right, now have available right, to us right. um so take that with a grain of salt um but for children specifically um it made the point that um well it made two points one about uh it, it's probably not a great idea to have a fitness tracker if you have maybe a history of eating disorders that can, can especially with the the calorie counting function that could potentially be quite dangerous mm -hmm. um but specifically with children it's it it makes the case that um, you know a lot of a lot of kids don't like uh, pee in school, and so they assume they don't like exercise, and then grow up and find that actually just they didn't like running laps of football. And there's lots of exercise they do like, but um, but it, it might make this worse with a fitness tracker. But also made the case that unlike adults who might wear one, find they need to get some 
more exercise and change their schedule accordingly. Children can't, children have very little control over their schedule. Um, right. It is often determined for them by, by the adults in their lives. Um, and so having a fitness tracker is actually not really a reflection on them. It's a reflection on uh, the, the, yeah, the parents and teachers. Um, and so how, how can this be, be helpful? And I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on this. Well, if, if the fitness tracker, like you said, which is actually a really interesting idea, right? But, but then like whether the actions of a child which is which is not responsible for um the partitioning of its of its daily activities are the child's responsibility um, yeah. and at what point those become the child's responsibility and uh you know at what age even if the decisions for their lifestyle are not theirs they must start assuming responsibility for those things and then at what age is the right age to give them the right to choose those things for themselves and and therefore take on that responsibility and um probably there is a gradual process through which that arrives in a kind of healthy uh context and so anyway these are these are all sort of tricky questions in and of themselves and actually make probably for a very interesting debate i would say mm. however because i was a little bit um repulsed honestly by the idea of giving children fitbits um, until you actually said, ironically enough, until you said that they reflect the parents and their environments. Because mm. if that's the way in which they were contextualized, well, that would be quite interesting, right? Right. Um, and I think that comes with its own dangers as well, because then it's like, you know, I mean, parents are fond of, um, some parents at least are fond of trying to optimize their children um, when mm. they have failed to optimize themselves and... Uh, they they will usually take that a bit too far um and and probably at some point alienate their children you know mm. um in the act of doing so so if you had specific data for your children um for some parents that might be um you know maybe a good wake-up call that they probably need to f feed their children something other than chicken nuggets and um for for others it might be um a far too powerful tool uh, for a far too abusive uh, right. <laughs> power. So, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea. Um, but if that sort of degree of accountability was taken into account and we said, look, like the shortcomings of children's are the responsibilities of the adults who raise them, which oddly enough, I don't think we do enough of, um, <laughs> we do promote mm. too much of a culture of individual, responsibility um and you know self-definition even i think it spreads to children um, yeah then well increasingly then, right with these technologies yeah, yeah exactly then if we use those technologies on the other hand to go the other way with a narrative um maybe there would be some more merit to that but mm. um but but i don't think that's the case and as such i i, I do i do stand by my initial sentiment which is gross yeah yeah um it's it's broadly where I fit. The, 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 the problem with it is, I suppose, that is that kids love them. They love seeing how yeah. many steps they're doing and, and competing with their friends. Of yeah. course, that works well for the people who are, who are winning and then makes other kids yeah. Maybe yeah. not feel so good. But, um, but maybe there's... Uh, also, maybe there are, I mean, I think there are valid uses, right? Probably there mm. are 
if there are children who have, um, for instance, uh, you know, it's possible to have heart conditions, irregular mm. heartbeats, things like that, that yeah. maybe, you know, a child might not be able to identify within itself, but yeah. um, that a machine strapped to your wrist might. Um, and so in that sense, there are there are certainly um, advantages um, of putting um, certain certain individuals under technological supervision um, for the sake of their own health you know yeah. and I agree that there is there is this element of playfulness with it but like um, you know kids love McDonald's as well that's not yes, necessarily yes. to say that's good for them <laughs> you know yeah um, and in fairness it the, you know the, the one for for children does come with um, parental controls so the parents A happy can. meal <laughs> A Happy Meal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it does look like the kind of thing that would come with a Happy Meal. In a Happy it's the Meal, same yeah. Kind of, yeah. Same kind of colours. Um, uh, yeah. That yeah, would be the wildest be... collaboration probably of all time if McDonald's <laughs> and Fitbit come together to make a child smartwatch. Well, you know, they, they sponsor uh, various sporting events, right? Like they're a big yeah, sponsor true. of the World Cup. Um, that's true. I don't know if you saw that moment in the World Cup where uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo removed the bottles of Coke from in front yeah. of him yeah was, yeah wiped that, that, four billion off the share price um, yeah 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 that so was, that was a good, that was a good moment <laughs> it it was so the listener might not know this but i um i i, I work for for a company called coca-cola europe pacific partners um which does uh which, which is coke's bottling largest bottling partner so the coca-cola company doesn't really put any of their drinks in bottles they own the brand they own the recipe and and outsource everything else um big company in its own right but like independent company and uh, there was a, a call the other day where the the head of like the UK unit was was giving a talk, um, and because Coke is a big sponsor, they had some some footballs and uh, bottles of Coke on the desk in front of him. And I was just like, oh god, I hope he moves it and says Agua. Mm. Like it would be the biggest baller move if he just went Agua, <laughs> which Coke also makes, so he could have done, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. but he didn't. Um, shame, missed opportunity shame. there. I thought so as well. I thought so yeah. as well. Um, Nick, we're going to have to wrap up shortly because I because I do have um, that that job to, that go, job to. How, to go to. <laughs> yeah, but let me um, let me just ask you briefly in the uh, in the notes for this um, for this episode the the research notes um, you had written Project Bionic Nick slash Kamau aka Mr Gucci flip flops and I wondered if you wanted to comment on that role. Um, I resent you bringing that up, and I think you know that. Um, <laughs> what I was, what I was kind of alluding to was, um, what was it? Was it Project Bionic Nick? Um, is is um, the the fact that um, that yes, yeah, self optimization and and this notion of 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 technology, which we started discussing at the very beginning of this podcast, is are very broad, right? And I'd had this conversation, I remember, with someone who was talking about, like, basically exoskeletons and, like, basically cheat coding your body or even having an artificial limb if you've been through a traumatic accident or something like mm. that. But an artificial limb that then turns out to be more effective than an actual hand or leg. Oh, we you know, could do a whole um, episode on that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was saying, like, well, I feel uneasy about um, humans being implanted with technology or being assisted to the to the by by the uh, to the such a degree by technology, and then and then you know, um, I think that person then said to me, well, you know, what are what are your glasses for then, mm. you know, um, and 
aren't you already to a certain extent bionic you know and then something lit in my head and i was like bionic nick bionic nick bio nick organic nick machine nick so many options so many possibilities you know um yeah and 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 so i see it i see it (laughs) mr gucci flip-flops and then mr gucci flip-flops was like was like sick bionic nick would be sick and then i was like well mr gucci flip-flops is like the fuckboy alter ego of that so (laughs) so you've created two alter egos yeah well i created i created one and then i created his downfall (laughs) i see interesting interesting yeah well um i look forward to seeing this drama playing out in real life yeah Um, yeah. what what have we learned if anything today nick what have we learned um i think that that um the technology that the smart meters that we wear on our wrist um are potentially very useful they can give us a lot of useful data knowing what to do with that data is one thing um Mm. knowing where that data goes is another knowing the degree of accuracy of that data is another thing as well um knowing how to regulate the impact and control of that data on your own life is another point of debate um and and whether or not this data's um, uh, use as a point of identification for yourself in the context of maybe insurance companies or um, you know citizen merit scores like they have in China is a good thing or not is uh, is a whole other conversation um, and and yeah whether 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 on the whole they are useful things to introduce to children. Um, and and whether or not they should be kind of an inherent aspect of the way we as societies function, interact with one another, is up for debate, but certainly it seems mm. to be like the direction in which we're going, um, and it's kind of hard to fight against that when the institutions get together um, for that context, and we I don't, I don't think we have the answer to any of these questions, but those are the points that we brought up yeah, well, we 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 um, very rarely come up with answers. Very often, yeah, yeah well, it's not what we're here for. Exactly. Um, well, on that, um, Nick, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, no, I'm still. I still have music out, so you know, go check that out. Um, and there check will be out. more summer vibes. Soon. Yeah. You um, do you have? You said you I might have something to plug this week. Uh, I mean. People can uh, I I um you can, people can check out uh rewild.biz if they like it's a terrible domain name We're working on a solution but it's um it's a it's a company that I started that hasn't doesn't have anything available to buy yet but you can sign up to our mailing list if you want that'd be nice um, yeah That's I don't sick. know what I'm gonna send you yet but I I will um, I'm gonna do that I'm gonna do oh, that oh cool um and in in the meantime yes I I mean. Funk is is the su- is the summer hit I think um, from from Nick's latest latest capsule. Um, Thanks. Do you have a fun fact, Nick? I do. Yeah. Um, so, humpback whales. Mm-hmm. Right. Not a um, shark, but yes. Not a shark, no. But um, I, you know, I did mention swordfish last time, so you, you know, branching out. Yeah. Um. Have. Uh, a technique of hunting called the bubble net mm-hmm. um and basically as they hunt in as as a group which i think is unfair given their size but anyway 
Um, basically, they swim in a shrinking circle, uh, blowing bubbles below a school of prey. So right. like, a, you know, school of fish or whatever. Um, and for some reason, the, these fish um, show a strong fear for bubbles. And so they can be quite easily contained within a bubble curtain. Um, and so, and so as the whales, bless you, circle around, um, the school of, of prey and, and, um, blow bubbles in an increasingly smaller and smaller cylinder, they, um, they, they start containing the fish to a smaller and smaller space until it's a small enough space that the whales can just swim upwards through it. Um, and take out the maximum amount of fish in one in one in one gulp, basically. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, bubble Very net, cool. bubble, bubble net hunting. Yeah, they create bubble nets to trap fish in, which is which is a cool hunting technique. Wow, that's awesome. Um, very cool. I I also have a fact. Um, and I'm actually going back to your topic from from last season, Nick. It's about trees. Please. Mm. Um, which is that they they can communicate through the air um, with each other, not not connect by roots through the air. Um, for example, this is just one example, but um, the uh, wide-crowned th- umbrella thorn acacia, which is um, uh, found in the savannas of sub-Saharan Africa, um, does this umbrella technique. thorn acacia. Wide-crowned umbrella thorn acacia. Yes. Wow, that's um, a great name. Yeah, it's probably a weed um, strain somewhere in California. <laughs> Quite possibly, but if this uh, tree is being munched on a by a um, by a giraffe, um, then it will s- emit into the air. Um, what is the uh, what is the compound? Ethylene gas. It's a sort of distress signal in the form of ethylene gas. When other trees detect this ethylene gas they will start pumping their leaves full of tannins, um, which can actually make large herbivores sick or even ill in large quantities. So basically, tree starts getting munched on. It goes, ah, defend yourselves. And other trees <laughs> start to to poison their own leaves so that um, giraffes can't Yeah, hide. so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> Trees, drama kings of the, uh, well, the acacia tree is the drama queen of the of the fauna world. Yeah, yeah. Um, there you go. Cool fact. And uh, and on that, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. And uh, and with love and rage, goodbye. Goodbye. Beep 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 beep. beep.